And welcome back to Lighting Up the Marquee, guys. How's everyone doing? Hope everyone had a good weekend. Um, I think I've recovered from the movies that were Captive State and Wonder Park. I think I've been out of that slump. Uh, <laughs> I was actually watching... Uh, I watched some pretty good things on Netflix, so I think I recovered from the the weekend slump at the at the theaters. But uh, it's exciting. It's... Uh, we're on episode five. This is kind of a little bit of an impromptu episode. I was going to actually, you know, save this week to uh, fully dedicate to my reviews for us and um, the new Motley Crue uh, Netflix music biopic. And I was going to do a review on both of those movies. But, you know, the film industry, it continues to uh, continues to drop new trailers, new uh news essentially and then we got some big uh big current events to talk about actually today this episode's going to be uh, i'm not going to break down the trailers that were released i'm just going to talk about uh the big ones that have been released within the last week uh, or within the last time i recorded an episode um and then we're also gonna there's a couple articles i want to talk about some casting news but if you guys are listening to this, hopefully the uh, sound sounds better. Um, hopefully the quality's gone up. It sounds a little bit more crisper. That is thanks to my good buddy, Braden, who contacted me, actually. He's been listening to the the four episodes I have. Uh, he contacted me after that last episode and offered his assistance to clean up my audio a little bit. So I really appreciate that he's helping uh, grow this podcast to get it more uh improved so i big shout out to you Braden. thanks for all your help uh so hopefully from here on out all the episodes will sound better um and today i actually submitted the podcast to google play so still waiting on the approval from them but hopefully we will soon officially be on google play so then we will be on apple podcast spotify stitcher and google play so i'm very excited about that news as well um since we submitted it to Google Play, we actually now have an email for the podcast. So our email is lightupthemarquee at gmail.com. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the show as well. But let's dive into it. So since the last time we talked on this uh, on this show, I mentioned briefly about James Gunn being rehired for Guardians 3, but I briefly mentioned the Avengers Endgame trailer came out, and I think I... I think I even said the trailer was pretty good. Um, it got me, like as every trailer should do, uh, got me pretty excited for the uh, the movie. So a couple things I wanted to mention about the trailer that I really liked. What I liked about this trailer is actually how how much it showed, but how much it didn't show in a sense. I thought it was a really smart move for Marvel to do with the the black and white footage of showing everything that we've seen in the last 10 years. Not really like it's kind of a, it, yeah, it is a reminder of uh, everything we've seen, but it's showing us how everything led up to this point. So I thought that was a really smart uh, tactic and marketing strategy. I also thought it was really cool how in the trailer, all the black and white footage and anything that had the, the color hue of red they left in. Uh, so it popped more on screen. So I thought that was a good trailer, and then I was actually looking up some, you know, facts about about it today, 
uh, it became the most viewed trailer in a 24-hour period, which surpassed Avengers Infinity War. I mean, honestly, not surprising at this point. It seems like any movie uh, that's coming out now always breaks a record that's only been held for a couple years. I guess it's just the hype that's built around it. He actually, um, over on the Post Credits podcast hosted by my good buddy Nick, he actually, his last episode all is all about this... Uh, I think he calls it a marketing strategy. I think it's more of a so, sort of marketing strategy, but I also just think it's the kind of fan base and the fandom that the our culture has become accustomed to, which is just like the the, like... It's, I think, all built around also on YouTube with, like, the reaction channels and everyone, like, watching it. And it's, like, showing the hype around these uh, around these movies. I get it and I don't get it in a sense, but it's kind of a marketing strategy. But it's, it's also just the culture that we're in right now is the everyone wants to be in the know of the next big thing. I think that's what happened with the, the Endgame trailer. Like, it's a really good trailer. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed it. I, I wasn't freaking out over it like like a fanboy. Like I'm still, I still have a little not skepticism going into the movie, but uh, I don't want to set. Here's the thing about hype. I've come to learn if you set your expectations too high, it always, if not uh, every time, will lead to disappointment. Um, so even for movies I'm super excited about, I usually want to go in with an open mind um, and not have too high of an expectation because usually. If you go into a movie with too high of an expectation and the movie doesn't deliver on your expectations, then you won't like it. So that's the whole thing was like, just, you know, keep a balanced mind and level out your your expectations for what's to come with the movie. Um, if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. Um, but I am highly anticipating Endgame. Uh, good trailer. Uh, another thing I did want to bring up about it is, as I said, it did show a lot of stuff, but it also didn't show a lot. Um, I can kind of get a sense of what the plot's going to be. Like, clearly, they're going after Thanos to rescue the other half of humanity that was snapped away, and poof, uh, Thanos Thanos makes him go bye-bye. But I think it was a good trailer, and it's a smart trailer, because a lot of trailers coming out now are super spoiler-heavy. And, and what I mean by spoiler-heavy is the trailer, in a sense, will give you the three-act structure in the two minutes that it shows you of footage. I was sitting at a theater. I think I was, it was when I went to go see Climax, actually. Uh, they apparently released a new Pet Cemetery trailer, which, granted, it's based off of a Stephen King book, and it's already had a movie. But here's the thing about that trailer. It sh- literally showed you, beat for beat, what was going to happen in the movie, how the movie starts, the turning point of the movie in the second act, and then ultimately the climax of the movie and the final act, what was going to happen uh, within three minutes. Now, again, that movie's based off of a book. There was a movie, I believe, in the 80s um, that already happened. If you want to say it gives spoilers away, but for people who aren't familiar with the Pet Cemetery book or the even the other movie, you gave them the whole movie. So why would they want to go see your movie if you just showed it to them for free, in a sense? Um, I don't think... I don't know if it's the market. It has to be the marketers who are approving of this because... I don't think a person who wants to edit trailers wants to give away a whole movie within the trailer. It has to be someone over their shoulder telling them what to put in the trailer, which I, why, why would you want to ruin your movie? Uh, I know you have to sell your movie, but why would you show them the whole movie 
and then expect them to come pay to watch a longer version of the movie you already showed them. It just baffles me. Same thing happened. A better example probably would be the Batman v Superman trailer. Came out a couple years ago where it did the same thing. It showed you the three-act structure of what was going to happen. So when you went to go see it, uh, most of everyone could have just stayed home on and watched on YouTube the two-and-a-half-minute trailer instead of going to the theater and watching a two-and-a-half-hour movie <laughs> and wasting their money. Um, but, you know, that's just something I, I give props to Marvel for. All their trailers usually never give away spoilers, all their trailers kind of are a little formulaic in the sense that it doesn't show you a lot of footage, but it gets you excited to go see the movie. They'll give you the title of the movie, and then they'll usually tack something on after the title comes up, just as like an added bonus, like in the Endgame trailer. It shows Thor and Captain Marvel meeting. It, it appears they're meeting for the the first time, so it's just a little teaser to get you excited, especially off the back of Captain Marvel coming out. Um, but yeah, good job, Kevin Feige. You're, you're a, you're a smart man, Kevin Feige. Moving on to, I believe this trailer came out yesterday on March 19th. Um, let's talk about Toy Story 4, shall we? The movie no one was expecting them to continue on with, but they are. I'm, I have mixed feelings about this trailer. I think it's a good trailer. I have mixed feelings about the movie itself, um, because... I mean, I grew up with Toy Story. I like them. I know it's a lot of people's favorite Pixar franchise or favorite Pixar movie. Uh, it's the one that started the company, essentially. But I'm iffy on just the continuation of the story. Uh, not because, it, like I said, not because the movie looks bad or anything, but just because of in the last couple of years, Pixar just seems like they're just, you know, what's the phrase? Kicking a... Uh, kicking a dead horse while it's down. I think that's the phrase. I don't know. Someone coined me on that. Put it on a t-shirt. But with movies like Finding Dory or the Cars franchise or what was what was the other one? Finding Dory, Cars, uh, Monsters University. That's what it was. Yeah. I mean, I kind of like Monsters University and Finding Dory has its moments, but like... They're just cash grabs, or they felt like cash grabs, and even watching them, they kind of are. Because um, especially Monsters University didn't really add to the story, especially because it was a prequel. And I think in a future episode, I'm going to talk about uh, prequels, like the goods and the bads of them. But we'll save that for another day. Save it, save it, put it, put it in your mind, lock it away. We'll get back to it in episode 75. So we'll get back to it. But... I mean, the Toy Story 4 movie doesn't look like a cash grab. My thing about the trailer is it didn't look like it added anything new or different to what we had seen in the first three. In the first movie, uh, Buzz Lightyear gets introduced, so Woody gets jealous, and then they ended up going on a journey to get back to Andy. And that's how it looks like in this movie a little bit. At least the... The part that Woody has to go after this spork with googly eyes and Twizzler arms has to go back and rescue him and gets lost. So there's like callbacks to, honestly, the first two movies. Um, I believe the second one he gets lost to or gets, no, he gets sold. No, he gets uh, stolen by um, Al from Al's Toy Barn, which I mean, if you want to say like all three of them have a similar 
like theme to them. They all do. That's the that's what makes them charming. It's a good formula that works for it. There's actually, if you want to go to uh, YouTube, there's a good video from uh, Adam over at yourmoviesuck.org uh, where he talks about Toy Story 3 in particular, how it's essentially just Toy Story 2. Um, and it kind of is. It's, it has the similar beat points. That's how this one feels as well. It's like, it looks like it'll have a good message and a good... It's like, it, like it, it looks like it has a good message and it'll be a good kids movie compared to that to like Wonder Park, which kind of has a good message for kids, but it's a not that great movie. At least Toy Story 4 still feels like it has that heart to it. Um, and it doesn't really feel like a cash grab, honestly. Um, I just I'm still iffy about the whole movie. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone's familiar with the whole uh, pre-production or in development snafu they had. Well, the whole John Lasseter case that was going on at Pixar 2, uh, John Lasseter, who I believe was the president of Pixar, had to be, uh, as they put it, put on sabbatical because of sexual misconduct toward women in the environment. So they put him on a six-month sabbatical, I believe, six to nine-month sabbatical, basically getting rid of him from Pixar, which, I mean, is good. But initially, Toy Story 4 had... Uh, let me look up real quick. I knew something I saw about it was that Rashida Jones was initially hired on as the writer of Toy Story 4. Her and her writing partner, Will McCormick, uh, were initially brought on as the writers, um, but they left due to like a complicated issue. They weren't fired from it, I don't believe, but they, they just left the project. And according, I believe it's according to Rashida. Yeah, uh, so they they left due to basically Pixar's track record with directors. How Pixar has yet to have a woman director, really. In the last 25 years, Pixar has only had one, one woman direct one of their movies. Uh, and then she ended up being fired as the director on that project. So technically, Pixar has had yet to have a woman direct um, so that's why Rashida claims her and her writing partner left is just because there isn't an equal voice at Pixar, which, I mean, good on them. That's a good stance to have. There definitely needs to be more diversity with diversity and inclusion in film, not only in front of the camera, but also behind the camera. Um, but it's it's a whole messy situation. Um and I don't know if John Laster's name will be on Toy Story 4. That's what I'm curious about. I thought I saw something about his name will be on it, which kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth. But I, 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 I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm still going to go see it uh, for the sake of reviewing it for this podcast and also just for the sake of uh, growing up with Toy Story. And I, I do like the movies a lot. So I will check it out. It was a good trailer. I am a sucker for the Beach Boys, um, and they played the Beach Boys' best song, or one of their best songs. I, I think it's their best song. Um, so yeah, I overall liked it. But the trailer that got me the most excited dropped this morning was the very first thing I watched when I woke up was the teaser trailer to uh, Quentin Tarantino's ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So I've been keeping track of Tarantino's films for quite a while. He's probably the number one reason I love writing scripts. He's the number one reason I wanted to really get interested in making movies, um, or at least making 
quirky, um, unique kind of movies. He made me look at films differently than other films uh, were structured when I was growing up. A lot of people, like, when I was talking about Avengers, how it gets hyped up, like, all these movies are, are like, spectacles like that and Star Wars. Tarantino and another director I'm going to mention later in this episode, um, their films are events because they're all unique. They're all that style. Um, they all are cool and slick. Um, and they're just great events to go to. It's always like a great thing to go to a cinema and just seeing um, a Quentin Tarantino film on up and ready to go. But this film in particular, I've been keen on for a while just because of the plot. It sounded interesting and um, I know it's gotten getting a lot of controversy behind the whole because the subject matter takes place during the, the Manson murders of Sharon Tate in the 60s and he wanted to release it on the 50th anniversary of their death. Um, so there's that whole controversy behind that. I also believe <laughs> I was talking about it with somebody. I think the set's cursed because Burt Reynolds was initially cast in the film and was going to be in the film, but then he died before he was able to film any of his scenes. Um, and then just recently, Luke Perry also passed away and he he's in the movie. I think this will be his final role, but he was in the movie, too. So uh, something about this set, man. I don't know what's going on with it. <laughs> but um, so this trailer was just a teaser trailer. It's, it's less than two minutes. It really doesn't show a lot. It just shows um, essentially just who these characters are as uh, DiCaprio as the actor and brad pitt is his stunt double um it just looks you know very tarantino-esque it reminded me a lot of uh, a mixture between inglorious bastards and kind of kill bill it has very much like it's gonna have that definite tarantino style but primarily those two um which those are two of his better films like i said this is just a teaser trailer so it doesn't really show a whole lot it just shows the three lead actors and then just some LA shots and some of the Manson followers and a fight between Bruce Lee on set, uh, which funny enough, I believe the scene with Bruce Lee, they shot it on the soundstage. I had classes on at um, Columbia. So that's pretty cool. I knew they were filming there. Um, I got a couple of stories about that. That's pretty cool. But um, yeah, it's just a really good teaser trailer. I was speculating it was going to be released sometime this week, or at least we would be getting some footage just because uh, yesterday they released the poster with Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate and the poster of DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, um, which I was talking with a couple people. We didn't really think the posters looked that great. Um, I think the, like, I honestly just think those are teaser uh, posters, but they looked pretty Photoshopped pretty quick together um i hope they actually release a cool slicker tarantino-esque poster but i think my favorite part in the whole trailer was the very end when this little girl i think i believe dicaprio is acting in a scene and a little girl comes up to him and says he that's the best acting she's ever seen in his life and then it immediately cuts to him crying tears of joy it was just a a perfect edit perfect cut choice and he's just crying there. And then his name in the movie is Rick Dalton. And I believe in the his line is he just goes, I'm Rick fucking Dalton. <laughs> and it's so perfect. That part. And then when Bruce Lee's talking about if he accidentally kills somebody, um, it's not a crime. And then Brad Pitt replies with, oh, well, that's manslaughter. That is a crime. Um, 
I don't know. I'm really excited about this movie. This will be definitely a great event, especially during the summer. So uh, be on the lookout for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, the last trailer I'm going to talk about, uh, not really too much to say about it. I just think it was it just came out of nowhere and it was cool. Um, was the Stranger Things season three trailer? Really, not much to talk about it. It just gets it's getting me excited for the next season. It looks like it's taking it in a really interesting place. I like the fact that they're all teenagers now, so they're going through like their teenager problems and their their puberty, and they're growing up. They're not the little kids we saw in season one anymore. But um, the Demi Gorgons look intense. I do hope the this season picks up more of the horror elements that made the first season great. I haven't really seen. I saw the second season, but I saw it when it came out, so I don't really remember it too much. Uh, I did think it was iffy. It wasn't. It definitely wasn't as good as season one. But I do have faith um, in the third season. So I'm looking forward to that Fourth of July weekend, so I can binge that, and I'll probably review it on this on this uh, podcast. I'm not sure yet, but right now I'm looking at it on YouTube. Um, it is number one on the trending tab on YouTube, and that's not a surprise. It just got released this morning, and it already has uh, over almost nine million views. So um no surprise there so those are just the those are just the couple trailers i wanted to bring up talking about those are the ones i'm actually pretty excited about i'm sure there's going to be more released by the time i record the reviews this weekend um and then if i do an episode next or if i do a discussion episode next weekend or next week not next weekend i'll be reviewing dumbo um but yeah it's a good time to be a film lover. Um, I'd mentioned on the last episode how it hasn't been really that great of a year, but I think we're getting out of that wintry slump and now we're moving into the summer blockbusters and um, more and more movies are coming out, more and more things are being announced. Um, So this is great. So now I actually want to talk about some current events that have been going on. A couple of these are actually very recently. Some of these were just announced today. Um, So if anyone's aware, like I said, Tarantino, his films are events to go to. The other director I was um, alluding to was Christopher Nolan has his next movie set for a July 17th release next year of 2020. Um, But there's very little information about it, if barely anything, um, as with most Tarantino or excuse me, as with most Christopher Nolan films. He likes to keep it very secretive up until maybe like that first trailer or uh, maybe a year or not even a year, maybe a couple months out. Likes to keep his films very hush hush. Um, It's even saying how a lot of people in Hollywood don't even know what it's about. Um, Even the casting is pretty secretive. But apparently the only thing that's being described about this movie is it's just another massive, innovative action blockbuster. And then it's going to be shown in IMAX as in typical Christopher Nolan style, which is great. See it on the biggest screen possible. Um, But two big articles actually came out today about the film. Um, The first one being that the star of the film will be John David Washington, um, who was the lead in Black Klansman and is Denzel Washington's son. Um, He's having, he's an actor to be looking out for. He was great in Black Klansman. Uh, I believe he was one of the actors actually to be snubbed for an Oscar nom this year. Um, I had made a whole list about who I thought should have been nominated for Oscars, and he was definitely one of them. 
it was cool to see Adam Driver get a nomination, but I don't think it was, should have been for Black Klansman. He's got a, little, uh, a lot of other better roles, but I think this is cool that John David Washington is going to be the lead. At least it sounds like he'll be the lead in uh, this new Christopher Nolan film. But then the other big news that came out of this film is Elizabeth Debicki and Robert Pattinson joined the film as well. Um, Elizabeth Debicki is in, um, most people probably know her. She was in Widows last year, um, which is great. I also thought she was kind of a uh, snub for an Oscar. Um, but she was also in uh, The Great Gatsby. She's also in The Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Uh, she's the gold lady. I think she's in the first one. I'm not sure. Um, I know she's in the second one though. Um, she's the gold lady. Um, that's all you need to know. She's the gold lady. I don't remember her name, but that's what I'm calling her. Um, and then Robert Pattinson, everyone knows from twilight. He gets a lot of shit for it. Um, I'm, I'm going to state it here. We're in the day and age of the Robert Pattinson Renaissance. Actually, um, if you've, if you read, if you wrote off Robert Pattinson for Twilight and as Cedric Diggory, um, <laughs> Cedric Diggory, that's my son. That's my boy. I had to. I, <laughs> I had to. Um, I know that's a sad scene, but that line delivery is fucking hilarious. Robert Pattinson, though, if you wrote him off, then get back on, get back on the Robert Pattinson. Uh, bandwagon we are in the renaissance period of this man's career um if you're out there and you haven't seen the movie good time because i know a lot of people haven't seen it uh go watch it good time is fantastic um he's also it's a little bit of a smaller budget movie and i was glad i saw it my roommates were able to show it to me it's called damsel um it's kind of like a quirky coen brother-esque uh uh western um, he's hilarious in it. Um, he's great in it too. Um, but it's really funny and he's got a lot of good moments. Um, I'm also, he's got a busy year ahead of him. He's going to be in the new Robert Edgar's movie, the lighthouse. Um, Robert Edgar's was the one who directed the witch back in 2015. It was one of my favorite films that year. Um, and then the lighthouse I've been reading up a little bit about it is like a fantasy I think it's like a throwback, honestly, to like silent film era um, fantasy horror. Uh, it's going to be with Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. Uh, there really isn't much out about it, but I hope it does come out this year. I don't know if it'll be pushed, but uh, I'm excited for it. He'll be in that. And then it says he's also going to be in this movie called The King, which will be at Netflix and then uh, Waiting for the Barbarians. But then he's also going to be appearing in Claire Denis' next movie, High Life, which looks super weird and super fucked up. And that is what I'm into. So I'm extremely excited for that. It's going to be with him and uh, Juliette Binoche. I want to pronounce her name right. Um, she is a fantastic actress. Uh, Juliette Binoche. So, yes, it's going to be her and him. And I think Andre 3000 or Andre Benjamin, I believe is his name. But he's Andre 3000 from Outcast. Uh, Andre Benjamin. Yeah, he's in it too, which is cool. I hadn't seen him or heard his name in a while, but um, uh, if anyone hasn't seen the trailer for High Life, I'd recommend it. It looks like a cross between um, 
kind of like Alien in 2001, honestly. Um, uh, yeah, it just looks really fucked up and really good. Uh, but yeah, we're in this Robert Pattinson renaissance, so I am all for it. Um, he's making great movies now, so everyone get back on that bandwagon. Those were the two big news articles from Christopher Nolan's next movie. Uh, the other big news I saw today, um, regarding casting, um, is that Sopranos prequel movie. If anyone, everyone should fucking know, (laughs) Uh, Hamilton, uh, Leslie Odom Jr., who played Aaron Burr in the original Broadway run of it, is just joined the cast of the uh, Sopranos prequel. Um, cool. Uh, I watched a couple episodes of The Soprano. I thought it was decent. Uh, I might finish it. I sh- probably should. As someone who's a big film and TV buff, I probably need to watch it. It's like the same thing with The Wire. It's like those are kind of two shows you probably should watch. Um, but this cast is insanely big. Not only is Leslie Odom Jr. in it, but, uh, Ray Liotta's in it. Uh, Alessandro Nivola, uh, Vera Farmiga, John Bernthal, Billy, Billy Magnuson, Corey uh, Stoll, and then Michael Gandolfini, who is, he's playing Tony Soprano, but he's also the son of, uh, James Gandolfini. Um, if anyone knows he was the original Tony Soprano. That's a no-brainer. And then they're also bringing back Alan Taylor to direct, who directed a lot of the episodes for it. He's also been a director on Game of Thrones, and then he directed Thor The Dark World. Um, And then the series creator, David Chase, is co-writing the script. Um, So yeah, it seems like a pretty um, faithful movie. It seems like a very uh, big passion project for the creator and the director. Um, I think it's similar to, I believe, the Deadwood movie. I, I think they're doing a Deadwood movie, right? Or is it another season? Or is it a movie? I think it's a movie, but I think the creators are coming back for that. But, yeah, it seems like that. Um, but I think the biggest news that popped up today was um, the Disney-Fox merger. Um, so it's it's official. Disney has bought out Fox. So now all the Fox properties belong to Disney. Um, This happened in a $72 billion merger, I believe. Um, I think it's just insane. Uh, Disney is taking over the world one step at a time. And it's insane, honestly. (laughs) Um, so this kind of like this this brings up uh, some questions about what's going to happen with all the employees at Fox. Are they going to merge into Disney? How are they going to adjust to the new ways of working? Um, even with like the the properties. So Fox, in regards to like Marvel, is the owner of X Men and um, Fantastic Four. So now all those characters go back to Marvel which I think they were trying to do that initially with the the merger, at least, or at least trying to get the rights to those characters back. Cause I believe what they're trying to do with the, the uh, next phase of Marvel is to get rid of the old characters or the old guard and then move it into the direction of X-Men and fantastic four and being able to add them in. But, um, beside all that, like, I think that's cool that we're going to get those characters back, but, um, it's more of the practicality of what's going to happen with all these people and the employees 
So I'm reading a statement, actually, from Disney CEO Bob Eager. Um, he kind of alluded to um, some deep staffing cuts. So I'm going to read a statement, actually, that he gave today. Uh, let me find it. So here's his full message. Um, this is from CNBC. Uh, this is his full message he gave after the deal was closed. So, uh, a historic day for our company. I'm proud to announce the acquisition is complete and 21st Century Fox is now a part of the Walt Disney Company. I'd like to welcome our new colleagues and thank employees on both sides of the deal for your patience and perseverance as we work through the lengthy acquisition and regulatory process. As you know, Disney has never been short on ambition. We've never been satisfied with the status quo and our vision for this transformative era is our boldest yet. We are rapidly transforming our company to take full advantage of evolving consumer trends and emerging technology in order to thrive in this new and exciting time. Our acquisition of 21st Century Fox was driven by our strong belief that the addition of these great businesses, brands, franchises, and talent will allow us to move faster, reach farther, and aim higher, especially when it comes to building direct connections with consumers. Um, so that's just the first part of his statement. I'm not going to read it all. If you want to look at it all, you can easily go to, um, Google and click on it for yourself. But this is a, a crazy time for the film industry. It's, there's good and bad to this, to this, um, to this deal. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of just crazy how much Disney is now controlling and owning, um, and how much they own, um, it's all I gotta say. Yeah, all I gotta say is it's insane. Um, uh, <laughs> it just seems like uh, I don't know. I think I saw Red Letter Media was talking about how Disney's now becoming the empire. Um, if we're talking Star Wars terms, which is it could be scary. Um, there's yeah, it's a whole whole bag of worms right there but that's that's all i got for current events and trailers um like i said this was kind of an impromptu uh episode i was just planning on doing the reviews um but there was just yeah, a lot of news that came out so i figured i'd talk about it before i go i'm gonna give a couple recommendations out that were given to me uh some were given to me and then some i just found on my own um so uh like I said, I went to go see Captive State and Wonder Park, and I, you know how I felt about those movies, and I felt it was a bad weekend for film. Uh, but my buddy Nick, over at the Post Credits Podcast, told me to go to Netflix and check out this show called Love, Death, and uh, Robots. Um, he did a full review for it, or a full spoiler-free review of it on his podcast, so go check that out. Um, but it's great. Go check it out if you're a big fan of sci-fi, if you're a big fan of horror, if you're a big fan of dark comedy uh go check it out it's an anthology series the episodes range from six to 17 minutes um each episode's a different animation style um i didn't think every episode was great i thought every episode was i liked a lot of the episodes and i believe i liked all of them um but there are some that just don't come close to others which isn't faulting it they're all really good but each animation style is incredible um it probably is one of the best things on Netflix right now. Um, I know Nick on his podcast said he wanted to do a possibly in the future a review of each episode one day. Um, 
I, <laughs> hey, hey, Nick, I, I'll join you for that review. I'll rewatch the show happily. Um, but yeah, I recommend that show. Go check it out. If you also want another show to check out, um, also on Netflix is a show called uh, Afterlife. It's Ricky Gervais's new show. It's an incredibly funny show. It's very, um, very much a dark comedy. Uh, it's got some good dramatic moments. It's hilarious. If you're into that Ricky Gervais style of humor, it's very kind of dry sense of humor, very um, like no bullshit kind of kind of humor, which is my kind of thing. Um, it's only six episodes long. I don't know if they'll do another season. Um, just the way that it ends, it just kind of feels completed. Um, but go check those two shows out. They're both on Netflix streaming right now. Um, and I think that's going to do it for this, uh, today's episode. Uh, like I said, I'll be back this weekend to review us and the Motley Crue movie. Um, but yeah, uh, like I said, at the beginning of the show, we are officially have our email up and running at lightupthemarquee at gmail.com. Uh, so now if anyone has, uh, recommendations for me, maybe to like review a movie, um, and maybe if there's a topic you think I should discuss, uh, send me some recommendations. I'm open to any one of your guys' thoughts. Uh, I greatly appreciate feedback. Um, it's a way for me to connect with you guys as well. Um, I really do appreciate everybody who's been listening. Uh, like, like It's only been two weeks, but I really do appreciate everyone that's been listening. I appreciate all the feedback I've been giving. Uh, getting, sorry, not giving. Um, yeah, if you like this podcast, make sure to tell all your friends to come check it out. Just keep growing this podcast. Um, you can find us over, uh, on Apple podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. And then hopefully soon we'll be on Google play. Um, you can also check us out on Facebook and Instagram at lighting up the marquee. Um, but until next time, I'm your host, Tim Martin. Um, and I will see you this weekend for the review. Uh, and don't watch mile 22.